This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Here comes Sacramento. Three on one. Bagley the step. Bagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the book and send it to the left. There it is. Buddy Hill alone at the top. Of the Kings record book. Oh, I like to see Fox Force 5 in the open court. Fox into the lane. Oh, if you don't like that, you don't like Kings basketball. Welcome back to another episode of the Kings Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Rich Ivanowski here as always. How you doing, Rich? Uh, I'm doing wonderful, my friend. I am here back in Sacramento. I was up in Seattle for the weekend. Went to a wedding. Ate some really good food. Uh, I'm pretty exhausted. Got up early this morning and flew back. So you may have to carry us a little bit energy-wise, but I am, despite the tone of my voice, I'm very excited that we are uh, back to Kings basketball 100%. All the episodes we're going to be recording are going to be about the Kings. It was fun doing the season previews, but uh, I mean, you know, what did you think about that whole series? The season previews, um, I, I understand people not being the most interested since this is a Kings podcast, obviously, and uh, we're talking about the rest of the league, but it is still relevant. You know, this is the opponents of the Kings and uh, who they're going to be fighting for in the playoffs for half of them, and it was good to to get that knowledge, and you want to know what you're up against. So I, I enjoyed doing it. Yeah, for sure. I think that for me, it's kind of laying uh, – Foundation to talk about these teams going forward, it's important. But, yeah, I mean, it was kind of that or we not do any episodes because there was just nothing Kings to talk about for so long. So I'm glad we did that, and I definitely learned a lot. But, um, yeah, now if you're listening to this, it's going to be all Kings all the time going forward. Right, and looking forward to having it that way. And you said I got to bring the energy. I got this, dude. I am hyped after that Niner win. We're 5-0 and right now. I'm feeling good. And, uh, you know, I think we can start with uh, the Sacramento's last preseason game. We haven't talked about that at all, and there's only so much to take from preseason. And, uh, you know, it was the Phoenix Suns who looked uh, a little rough, to be kind about it. Um and yeah, I mean, so what were, what were some of your main takeaways here? I'll let you go first on this. Well, my first takeaway is you've alienated all of our Raiders nation audience, but, uh, that's fine. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I mean, it was good. I'm glad that it was interesting that they played basically their starters, the, the majority of the game, almost the entire game. So that, you know, I found that to be a little bit surprising and I mean, it's going to be hard for me to wrap my mind around a preview for the jazz game tomorrow because I don't know. I just genuinely don't know if they're going to be playing starters or what, but um, Corey Joseph was out. Harry Giles did not play. We're going to have to get into, that's probably going to be most of what we're talking about today is the buddy contract and the Giles continuing injury. But 
you know, in terms of on the floor, I mean, they, they played really well. I really was impressed by a lot of the stuff on defense. Um, I know you wrote a little bit for uh, Royal Pain about some takeaways. What were your, what was like your number one takeaway? Uh, number one was that Bogey looked really rough without Fox or Heald out there. Uh, aside from that, he looked great. So in the nine minutes without Fox or Heald, he had no points on four attempts, five turnovers. I think four of them were within like a five-minute span. There was a really bad stretch right when Fox checked out at the beginning of the second. Um, but when he was sharing the floor with one of Fox or Buddy, he had 12 points on three of five with, with two assists and only one turnover. So that was the main thing for me there was that uh, Bogey, when he was clearly the primary creator, kind of went back to almost doing a little bit too much. Yep, I think that's definitely fair. And I think that reflects on Corey Joseph's role in this offense uh, and especially on defense. But um, in terms of initiating, I don't know that I want Bogey to be the primary initiator really in any lineup. So I like having Joseph there. And they kind of were – the Kings last Thursday night were kind of going back and forth with Yogi and Bogey. Bogey and Yogi as the – uh, backup ball handlers and yeah I don't know I, I don't think it really worked uh, either of those options so I think that when Corey Joseph is back uh, and I expect that he will be I, I don't know there's a lot of injuries in the preseason that you know they're just being overly cautious because this guy's played eight years you know what I mean so we know what his deal is like we know he's going to be a very solid player going forward so uh, I'm really um, glad that there's some depth there for sure. Yes. Bogey and Yogi. That's, that's the Ogies right there. I think that's, that's the nickname that I'm, I'm giving them right there. And uh, yeah, not having, I mean, Fox, uh, I kind of was paying attention to rotations and there's not, you know, it's not the most telling in preseason. They could be playing with things, but Fox was playing 11 minutes in the first quarter and the third until he finally checked out. He was the last starter in there. And uh, I do think it'll be different when there is a better backup in uh, Corey Joseph coming in for him instead of Yogi Farrell, like we mentioned. But uh, Fox was in there for a while, and uh, the first sub out was Bogey came in for Buddy. So they played Fox and Buddy um, separate a little more than kind of what I think we were used to a little bit. Yeah, it's interesting. I Going back to Yogi for a second – do you think that he has – I mean, I guess we can put this to bed, but do you think that he's in the rotation at all? No. I, I think first three quarters we saw a 10-man rotation, and uh, I think that Corey Joseph takes Yogi's minutes. Yeah, that's where I'm at. And it's unfortunate because the the Yogi chant is still, like, a lot of fun. And everyone – you know, I just hear around the, the game, around the arena, like, people talk about Yogi a lot, and they just – people really love him. And it sucks. I mean, I actually I talked to him a little bit after the game. And um, yeah, he said, you know, I mean, he mentioned that chant, how much that means to him. And he said he has no idea where it even came from, like who started it or how it got started. But uh, he likes it here. He likes it in Sacramento. So, you know, and he was a good player in Dallas as well. I mean, he's still a good player. I just, I guess it's the depth is just is pushing him out. Right. And Joseph is just one of the best backup point guards that there is. Like we needed defense from the backup guard it was one of the big things we said this off season, Corey Joseph gives us that. And I think uh, he's not much of a fall off, if anything on offense compared to Yogi. Right. So uh, my top takeaway from this game was Bagley on defense. And 
So from and the rebounding. So for me, I feel like the question about Bagley has been, you know, for me, I, I've thought, you know, will he ever be able to defend fives? And I guess that's still a question, but the defense has been such an issue and the rebounding has been such an issue that you wonder, is he ever going to be uh, league average like in any scenario there? Or is it always going to be a difficulty for him? Is it always going to be a deficit on defense and on re- in rebounding when he's on the floor? And I feel like, would you say that Dario Saric is like a league average power forward or even a starting level average power forward? Uh, maybe like lower end starter. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe in terms of body size and in terms of his position, because there's so much more stretch at the four, I feel like he's a lot more average than say Sabonis at least. Right. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Cause he got bodied by Sabonis um, consistently in India. And so I feel like Bagley played really well defending Sarge and uh, cleaning the glass. So that gave me a lot of encouragement. It made me feel like, yeah, Bagley's not a five right now, and he's probably going to struggle against most fives. Did all right against Aiden, like held his own in the very in the few minutes that he was at the five by himself in this game. But, you know, it made me feel like if he's just a power forward and that's who, what position he plays going forward, he should be okay defensively. Yeah, I think because Saric is kind of more of a traditional four, and uh, you see Sabonis kind of is, even though I th- I would kind of say Sabonis is the five almost in that offense, and Turner plays the four in a way. Um, I-, I think that those he can kind of get away with, even though he got bodied by Sabonis and isn't strong enough there. I worry about um, when he's really playing what used to be threes, like when we're playing Lakers and Clippers, and obviously those are great teams, but like a Paul George or even like a Kyle Kuzma. Like I worry about him keeping up with the quickness of some of those guys first steps sometimes. I'm not too worried about Kyle Kuzma. I've never really worried. I've never lost sleep over Kyle Kuzma. Uh, But yeah, I mean, Turner and Sabonis just both feel like fives to me. Like that's just, that's where I'm at with that. And so I don't want to see, you know, and again, I, I don't know how to predict this jazz game in terms of who's playing and who's not. It's the preseason, like, you know, starters can play two minutes, starters can play no minutes, starters can play the whole game. So I definitely don't want to see, like, you know, Bagley is the only big on the floor against Rudy Gobert. Like, that's not going to work, right? Right, yeah, especially defensively. And and in regard to his rebounding, I mean, it it was nice this game. You know, 13 total, four of them offensive. Um, I question it a little bit. I came in a little worried about Aiton maybe getting some offensive rebounds. But uh, Aiton is a guy that, like Bagley last year, just kind of disappeared sometimes. And, I mean, the Kings played well, but it felt like uh, there is something towards Aiton just not showing up in a way. Yeah, I think that it is kind of an effort thing with Aiton. Uh, I think he's incredibly skilled, but it's, it's, is he staying engaged? Is he, does he know where to be, and is he making the effort? Because a lot of the times that Bagley scored down low, it seemed like Aiton just – he kind of cheated out or he tried to go for the ball and then Bagley ended up catching something right under the basket. Right. Yeah. Aiton, I kind of feel like they've had sort of the same struggles that we've had with Bagley at times last year where, you know, I mean, it's a young guy, so a little bit of lack of consistency, but they both show some flashes and I think it was nice to see it from Bagley this game. I still wasn't like very impressed with his game. Like I, I didn't see, 
I haven't seen flashes of a jump necessarily. I mean, I think he was using his right hand a little bit more and he's at least more willing to use it, but it, it still needs work, obviously. Who would you say is the better prospect going forward between Aiden and Bagley? You know, I just don't know Aiden well enough. Um, yeah, I, I have not seen enough of Aiden to really pick between the two here. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. I don't, I don't see a huge separation and it's like, it's hard. I mean, even with a, a lot of those guys in that class, like Jaron Jackson Jr., you know, I feel like he's considered to have the most upside maybe, especially by the yeah. the people that, that favor defense. Um, so I don't know, but like, I feel like we've talked about this before, but Bagley, Aiton and uh, Jackson, like those guys could end up being, it could be any order eventually down the line. Like any one of those guys could be the best or the the bust or, you know, the closest to a bust or whatever. But um, aside from that, I don't have a ton to talk about on this game. Um, I think, like, the team defense stuff was there. The energy was there. Rashawn Holmes still exciting me quite a bit, uh, really making the right plays, really making the high energy plays. Um, yeah, I mean, anything else you want to talk about on this game? And then we can talk about Giles and we can talk about Buddy Heald's contract. Uh, no, that's all I got really. Uh, you know, keeping an eye on the three pointers 31 this game. And I know Phoenix is a team that's going to throw it up too. They had 33 of them, but that's pretty much it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think now we can move on to this, uh, Q and a, and just want to remind everybody that we are the official podcast of the King subreddit. And we'll always have a post sticky to the top there, um, that you can ask us questions at at any time we threw up, uh, asking for some questions on Twitter too. And that's where we got some of these from. And uh, Giles was a big talking point. I think we can start with that here. The first one we got is, uh, do we think that the Kings signed Holmes because they knew Harry is recovering from an injury? Rumor is he hasn't played for a while or practiced, only workout videos on his Instagram. And that's from Inference, Inference Maker on Reddit. What do you think, Rich? Yeah, I do think they did that. Uh, I think that's a big reason that they went out and got a center. Um, I feel like we've talked about this, right? I, this is kind of like we, at least at first, we viewed it as an insurance move in case Giles wasn't healthy. And now I feel like maybe it goes a little bit above that where they may have known Giles wasn't fully healthy and it wasn't just an insurance, but it was maybe a plan A. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if they knew that, like, or maybe Giles already had an injury, but. I mean, we could have predicted that there was going to be one at some point this year, more than likely. Like, it felt like you needed to get another big there. So, I, do you think that Giles has gotten worse? His health is, has gotten worse? Like, there's been a setback or an injury? Because I'm not sure that's the case. No, I, I don't think so. I mean, at first, I just thought it was precautionary. But then at the same time, I mean, a guy that has struggled with health, you want to get him as much reps as possible. So I don't think it's some major thing going on. Um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with that. Because he did not play at the end of the year last year. He was shut down early. Um, right. You know, and, and that was they, – the team said that that was due to injury concern. Um, yeah, I mean, he didn't play in the summer league. I don't know that it's like anything new has happened. This is a guy who's been through a lot. And I mean, listen, we love Harry Giles on this podcast and in Sacramento. There's not a man, woman, or child in Sacramento that does not love Harry Giles. But 
I mean, we can't ignore the realities of his, his health, you know? Yeah. And uh, when he is playing, and I guess we can just tie in the second question to uh, just a shout out at Cam's cold takes on Twitter. It's should we be panicking yet about Giles, him falling out of the rotation because Holmes is playing well, doesn't worry or surprise me, but the health concerns and lack of information surrounding him does. I think we're kind of saying the same thing here. And in regards to the rotation, I mean, Holmes, I think we said it last time is that Holmes probably will have that backup spot and Giles is going to have to play his way into it. Yeah. The only reason you should be panicking is if you had assumed that Giles was going to play like 20 to 25 minutes a night. Um, I certainly never felt that way. I thought that it was always going to be a small role. I think when we did our minutes projections, I had him at 12 minutes and even that, I think was probably probably a little bit optimistic considering his health stuff. Right. So, I mean, there's no need to panic if you had already accepted that Giles, he's an upside guy. Like you can't, you can't plug him into it. You can't have the expectation of his health already there. So there's nothing to panic about if he gets well and he's able to play well, um, throughout the season and his knees don't swell and he's he's able to not have the soreness then you celebrate but I think that's the way to look at this is don't panic I mean I feel like you want to view any um, any significant playing time from Giles as a positive rather than any lack of playing time as a negative right yeah I'm the same way here and uh, and what we got in Holmes is a more than serviceable backup. I'm loving all the minutes he's got out there, kind of seeing a little bit of a bogey Giles pick and roll coming around. Sorry, bogey Holmes pick and roll. Yeah, it's a tough situation, you know, because he obviously is very gifted. When he is able to play, he brings something that, you know, is going to be the X factor, like a wild card situation for this Kings team. And it could really – really brings something dynamic and and uh, we all want him to play well. But, you know, I think another odd element of this is that Giles really seems to believe that he's good to go. Um, I don't know if you caught this, but I believe on his Instagram story, uh, he put an Instagram story up there basically just saying like, I'm, I'm healthy. Like I'm good. Uh, you know, I don't know what everyone's talking about. And did you see that? I did not actually. I, yeah, I think I saw that, I believe, uh, on Reddit. So, yeah, I mean, Reddit, by the way, is the number one place to find, um, like, screenshots of social media from oh, yeah. uh, the players. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. What's an over-under? I mean, should we just over-under uh, 800 minutes played this season for Giles? Um, you know, I I feel like it's safer to go under. I mean, yeah, it's really sad. Um, I, I don't think that we should consider this like his season over anything, but I, I would, you know, if Holmes is playing well, that's just the opportunity to bring Harry along slowly. So I think it's a good thing. You know, I, I think that, if Giles is healthy, they'll get him 15, 10 to 15 minutes a night. And if he's not, yeah, I mean, I think that is to answer the question. That's why, that's why the Kings probably went out and got home. So yeah, probably made it a priority. So. Are you currently paying off student debt? 
Interested in improving your financial literacy or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever-changing digital landscape? Well, on the Talk Money with Mesh Lakani podcast, Mesh will follow paper trails, chat with experts, and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena. Each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects, from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend, invest, and earn for today's economy. Yeah, what's the next question here? Yeah, um, next one we got will be about uh, Holmes, or I'm sorry, uh, about Giles's uh, front court pairing that we all love is uh, what should our expectations for Bagley be this season? Optimistic and realistic. He's our top pick. He's very young. It looks like he didn't bulk up much during the offseason, but I'm happy he's explosive. Can we rely on him to grab rebounds, hopefully, as a starter this year? And this is from EricCC32 on Reddit. Maybe we can uh, start at the end here. Can we rely on him to grab rebounds as a starter this year? Um, I think you can expect him to rebound extremely well on the offensive glass, and you could expect him to rebound below average on the defensive glass for a power forward. Yeah, I I agree. Um, He's active offensively and he's a little bit slippery there and obviously has the hops that we know of, but I think kind of that weight you mentioned or not bulking up uh, really hurts him on the defensive end sometimes. And he fundamentally doesn't seem to uh, box out very well or, uh, correctly at times so once that boxing out gets there I think that he can be a great rebounder but I'm totally on board with you there that's why seeing 13 uh last game against Phoenix was nice to see yeah 12 in the first half crazy yeah wow but um what do you I think I feel like we've thrown around that concept of 20 and 10 a lot of people have and it makes sense especially if so one thing we can expect from Bagley is he will be the featured big man on this team right yeah yeah so he'll lead in minutes by a lot right he had 25 last year i feel like you can give him what 30 this year yeah he's an easy 30 and then does that translate still to you around 20 and 10 19 and 9 yeah i'm probably about like 18 and 9 about what you're saying there um you know there's a lot of other scorers on the team and yeah, last year was 15 and seven and a half in 25 minutes. So I think it's really just going to be progression because of more minutes, really. Yeah, I'm probably going to take my estimate down to about 18 and eight because I think the the nine and 10, that range came off of some assumptions about his size and weight that I figured would improve. And I don't think that it quite has, but eight rebounds a night from your four, that's gravy right yeah I think that's fine um I think he'll be down low maybe a little bit more than Deadman will be but Deadman's still going to be getting some boards himself as well so I think that uh yeah it's the defensive rebounding as a team really that's going to worry me a bit a little bit more there offensive will be totally fine um I think we had talked about Bagley even being one of the best offensive rebounders in the league at some point um yes. Yeah, so it's really the defensive end there. What would you say is a is optimistic hope for Bagley this year? If you want to be optimistic, you can still talk 20 and 10. I think that I'm coming down to earth a little bit on that just as far as 
you know, I feel like you said it about Aiton, but I don't really necessarily see the augurings of a huge breakout, like that leap that some guys come back from the summer and they're like, oh, shit, they took a step. I'm not sure I see that. That's the kind of maybe Bagley's a guy who takes that step over throughout the season. Yeah, and I think your two to three could be a, a step there as well that you kind of see a little bit more often than one to two. I think like Fox went one to two because year one was was pretty bad. So there was a lot of room to go up. Um, yeah, so what needs to happen for Bagley to get 2010? Is it just he needs to have a little bit more fire in him and want it? Or do they need to feature him in the offense a little bit more, hopefully in a smooth way? where there's still a lot of motion rather than just posting up? I think he wants it plenty. And I think that um, – I think his involvement in the offense is fine. I don't think they need to ramp up his usage or anything like that. I imagine he'll be very much featured as, you know, one of the top three guys in this offense, like no question. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I think to get 20 and 10 as a second-year guy, as a 21-year-old guy, you kind of need your team to be bad. And you need a lot of just shot. Like, so the pace is going to go down a little bit this season as well. Maybe we should t- talk about that. Um, that was one thing that I noticed in the Phoenix game. And the guys after uh, the game were all – everyone seemed to mention pace being slower uh, in the locker room. So that's something to something to note. Um, and you know, this, do you want to yeah. say why, why you think that is? I don't want to speculate too much, but I'll say that I, I do think that Luke Walden is focusing more on, uh, you know, half-court offense, which is probably a very good thing. Um, I think that he would like to run as much as possible uh, in transition, and, but then also try to, try to you know, once when, when you're in half-court, I think that there is serious improvements that need to be made for this team. So that's good. And I think that one thing that uh, Blake Ellington pointed out to me, who is a um, senior writer at Sacktown Royalty, uh, was in the locker room there with me. He's been in the locker room for years. Um, he pointed out that he think you know, the guys weren't really saying it overtly, but they seem to be insinuating that Deadman is going to slow them down a little bit. Um, so, and that's a fair point. He's, he's ran with a very fast team. He kept up with the Hawks, but he was not really the guy leading the breaks, right? Like he's more of a trailer. And he, listen, he's not Willie Cauley-Stein in terms of athleticism. Uh, and Willie Cauley-Stein is not him in terms of fundamentals and in terms of shooting, but it's give and take, right? Right. And, and I, yeah, yeah. Nobody is as fast as Cauley-Stein. I, I mean, he's got long strides and he moves amazingly for being seven feet tall, part of having that slender frame and all that. Um, but we needed the rim protection and spacing and that's what we got from Deadman. So I, I think it's like you're saying, it is a little bit of give and take. And I think the nice thing is you have a guy that you can put in that seems a little faster and more of a pure rim runner in Rashawn Holmes. Right. And I think that Holmes is kind of that combination of both where, yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised at all if some of these players secretly wanted Holmes in the starting lineup because it would be like last year. I mean, Holmes is, Holmes is fast. He may not be quite as fast as Willie, um, but he does bring the rim protection in the defense and he's pretty, He's pretty damn close to as athletic as Willie was uh, last season. So, um, to me, that doesn't really t- it really d- doesn't make that much sense with Bagley in the starting lineup. 
I think that Bagley still needs the spacing from Deadman. Um, until he can prove that he can shoot it, he's going to need some more spacing in that lineup. So, I mean, what do you think there? Yeah, I agree. I think Bagley is is the thing there is that uh, his shooting is still a little bit questionable. needs to be proven. Um, it's a little bit of slow when he's open. He seems to hit him, but he's got a little bit of a, a hop as he gathers. And uh, yeah, that, a little that's, bit of a hop, man. That thing is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he definitely jumps into it. It's uh, there, There's a load up, but uh, th- there's hope there. You know, if he can quicken that a little bit, um, I would expect that more so to happen during an offseason rather than throughout the year. But, uh, yeah, I-, I think that for now, I mean, you still expect to see Deadman there. And uh, I-, I think that you're still going to see a lot of transition, obviously. I mean, that's, that's what this team is. And as long as, but it just comes from the defense. So the second you get a steal or a stop, I mean, and actually they were doing it off made baskets at times last year. And maybe you just don't have Deadman as the one coming up the floor with it or something like that, or the one passing it in. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're still going to run the floor for sure. And I think uh, can kind of go into the next question here is how many points per game do we think the Kings will average this year? And well, where were they ranked the league in that category? Last year they were ninth, 114. I don't see it changing that much. I think the team got better, but uh, a lot of it's on the defensive end. So you know, maybe it goes up a point max. But I think you're about that same range where you're not top five, but maybe top ten. Uh, I think they probably score less this year. And I think because that goes back to the team playing a little bit slower. So I think they probably get a little bit more efficient in the half court. Maybe maybe a touch less efficient in transition, but not significantly. Um, so I, I think that overall their, uh, their efficiency could increase, but their pace might slow. I wouldn't be surprised to see them slide down a couple slots in, in, that, in that category. But yeah. on the flip side of that, the defense, I think, will be better. Exactly, and, and that was what was more needed. I, I mean – like I said, they were scoring 114 at ninth in the league, but they're giving up 115 at fifth in the league. So I would, I'm glad that defense is the focus there, and I'll, I'll um, take a little bit from the offense if it's going to mean improving that defense because you got to get stops towards the end of the game. Yeah, and I mean, what do you think about having Bagley play that Collie Stein role where, you know, in terms of the five starters where Deadman kind of is more in – Bielitsa's role on offense kind of the trailer kind of the shooter the spacer and you have Bagley try to run the floor in the way that Collie Stein did yeah I think that that's kind of what you're gonna see and have seen a little bit but uh then what becomes the other team's defense is that you're gonna see fives put on Bagley like I think we saw Turner guarding Bagley a while there um Aiton I believe was guarding him and, uh, yeah, so opposing bigs will be guarding Bagley, but they're definitely still going to get up the floor. And like we're saying, I mean, Deadman's not slow. He ran with the, with the Hawks, like we said. He definitely sprints. He puts in effort there. Um, he just doesn't have these long strides. He's not the same as a Willie or a Bagley or even a Holmes. But he'll get up there, and, you know, he's 38% from beyond the arc. So that's a good guy to have trailing. Well, I feel like opposing five should be bag, uh, guarding Bagley anyway. Like, uh... I don't know what you're doing if you don't have your five on Bagley. Like, Deadman's the, the spacer regardless, right. right? Right. So I'd rather have Bagley just, just go ahead and, and run, uh, 
rim roll as much as possible because that's just, I, I mean, as long as you're not crowding, as long as you don't have the four and the five stuck down there in the low post because you've got Willie on the floor as well, two non-shooters, you know, that's going to be, it's going to be better to have Deadman out on the wing anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I think that's, that's how we'll see it played. I mean, Bagley is definitely the runner there. And like you said, home or uh, Deadman's the spacer and uh, yeah, wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, even Bagley playing the five at times this year, Reza coming in as the three Barnes, the four, that sort of thing, or, or Holmes coming in. There's, there's a lot of variations with this lineup they can play with. Yeah, I want to see a lot of homes because um, I, I don't see Bagley's really being ready to be the only big on the floor. So I don't know. That can change over time, but I kind of just want to see. I, I don't know. I, I feel like Holmes works so well with Bogey and with Bielitsa on that second unit. I love that keeping that one spacer, one big spacer on the floor. It can be Bielitsa, it can be Barnes, it can be Ariza in that four spot, but you need a guy that can shoot and then Holmes kind of wrecking things. You know what I mean? Uh, with the gravity towards the rim uh, in the rolls. And then, you know, uh, the reverse of that being that Bagley uh, heading towards the basket while Deadman is spacing. Like, you want one guy who is not a spacing threat. And I think if you kind of stagger Holmes and Bagley, that's probably the optimal arrangement there. Right. Yeah. And uh, and nicely, you're going to have times where there's everybody's a spacing threat in a way where they're at least capable unlike like I guess Cully was the guy last year where it's like okay he's not gonna take a three um you know maybe he'll pull up a mid-range after a behind the back move but he's not gonna take a three at least Bagley uh they're not gonna respect the three quite I don't think unless he heats up in a game right uh, but uh and he that's at least is capable right right yeah I mean it's better than nothing which was um what you know Colestine was giving right. us. But the defense is still going to sink in off of But it's still a real big problem. Yeah. Right. I, I don't I don't respect his shot. Like, I don't think that that shot's got – like, the way that he loads that thing up, it is insanely slow. Yeah. So, I mean, I have hope for the future, but he is not a shooter today as far as I'm concerned. No, agreed. The midway, mid-range is wet, but, uh, yeah, it's that jump at the three-point line. Um, you there is a shooter on this team, however – there you go. That's the perfect transition. Go ahead. Yeah, buddy healed. All right. So let's get into this. This is the topic du jour. Uh, yeah, man. All right. So I was in the locker room after the game and I saw this conversation take place between Jason Anderson and buddy healed. And yeah, I mean, this is, this is the contract talk. This is the extension talk. Uh, buddy Heald's uh, extension deadline is October 21st. That is a mere uh, seven days away when this will be released. So one week from today, when you're hearing this, Buddy Heald will either need to have an extension signed and in place, or he will become a restricted free agent at the end of next season. Um, there's some quotes here. I mean, there's a lot of that's been written and discussed about this. Is there anything that jumps out to you in terms of these quotes? Um, I mean, Buddy saying that he wants to be here, obviously, in the front office saying that they want him here. Um, I mean, one that stuck out a bit was if it doesn't get done, things could go the other way. But, uh, I mean, just obviously, if, if there's no deal, he's going to sign a deal somewhere else. It's all that could mean, you know, and that's obvious. To me, I, I'm confident this is going to get done. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, 
it's a conversation and something that you knew was going to come up with the deadline being like you're saying seven days away, but I'm not really worried. I don't think there's anything new here. I think that, I think that Anderson wrote a great piece and I think that he grilled, he really grilled buddy. He really, uh, he asked the right questions and he was really persistent and he got some great quotes that really pop off the page. He got him to say, I'm ready to get this shit done which sounds more aggressive than I think that it was. Like I, when I read that, I'm like, Oh, buddy's buddy's frustrated about something. And I really, in the, in the, when I saw him say that, I did not see him as being frustrated, but that's just my take. Yeah. So do you, what would you offer buddy in an extension? Because he's not getting the five-year 170, right? Those, those de- designated player exceptions are saved for Fox and Bagley, it feels like. Yeah, and this is why this story is so great. It's not because there was some tremendous amount of new information, but it's because this conversation needs to happen, and it wasn't happening. So Anderson did a great job here in getting it. I mean, one of the best stories to come out for a while, and not necessarily because it's ground-shattering news, but because – this is a real thing that we should be discussing as Kings fans and, and uh, Kings reporters and Kings writers. And it's something that, uh, I mean, he got Buddy's voice directly. Like this whole story is Buddy's voice, which is fantastic. So you got it from Buddy. Um, would love to hear comments from Vlade, but I don't think we're going to. Um, and that makes sense as well. So, yeah, I mean, for me, you're asking me what I would pay. I almost don't want to say because I think that it's low. I think that it's a. I don't see there being much incentive for the Kings to offer a lot of money here. So, but let, let's go from the top down. Like you said, the five-year max is would be ridiculous. I think, right? Yeah, there's no way. I, I mean, yeah, you don't have to pay him that. Right, and I mean, I don't. I don't understand it. Like Jamal Murray, I feel like that was an overpay, right? Yeah, he got the five-year. That, that's max. ridiculous. Yeah, it was an overpay, and he he's four years younger they were they were drafted one spot apart they're either three or four years younger uh i can i'll double check that right now but what do you think about that tell me about jamal murray and buddy healed as players like tell me what makes them who's better who's worse and why because i actually put this question out there on twitter and a lot of people have i mean it's split there's yeah, a the, lot of different opinions. The group of guys you put are really interesting because they had a like, wide gap of money and they're all really close. But in regards to Murray and Heald, right now, Buddy's a better player. I, I don't feel like that's a debate. Um, Murray, I guess, can handle the ball a little bit better. But if Buddy Heald was playing off of Jokic, he'd be going crazy as if he's not already. I mean, this guy was the best offensive player on the Kings last year. 45% from deep, 56 effective field goal percentage. I mean, Buddy's a great player, but I think Murray, they're kind of paying for the upside there that, uh, you know, Heald isn't going to get necessarily that much better. Uh, his handle has looked good and things like that. There's ways to improve, but it's not like major steps Buddy's going to take. But Buddy's a better player, and I think throughout the length of a four-year contract, you're getting Buddy's prime. Wow, so I don't agree with this. I, I don't see I don't see Buddy Hill as the clearly better player here. Do you think he's better and it's just close? Not really. I, I, I think it's just close. I don't I don't think that I'm gonna look at either one of these guys and say they're necessarily better. I 
I don't know. I, I'm I'm honestly tempted to say that I think that Jamal is a slightly better player just in terms of his uh, ability to handle and distribute the ball. So obviously if we're talking about shooting and just pure scoring, but I, you know, and I don't know, like, I mean, did you, you say that if, if, if he were playing off Jokic, he would just be destroying the world and, and all that offensively, which sure that would help, but would he be scoring nearly as much? Would Jamal uh, Murray be scoring 20 points a game if he were in Sacramento and Buddy weren't? I mean, I don't – these are kind of apples and oranges arguments to me, and I don't, I don't know that I see there being a way to distinguish. I, I don't feel comfortable in saying either player is definitively better than the other. The King's Pulse podcast is recorded and hosted on Anchor. It is the easiest way to make a podcast, and it is 100% free. It gives you everything you need to record, edit all of it so it sounds smooth and professional, and upload it all from your phone and or your computer. They distribute your podcast to every major platform. They give you an opportunity to make some money in the process as well. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hmm. Uh, Okay, yeah, I mean, I think that... uh that Murray does get to the rim better and the handle is better. Like I mentioned, but I don't see playmaking quite for Murray yet. Um, I mean, he can competently run the point guard position better than buddy can. Yeah. For a 50, what four win team. There's no chance on earth that that buddy Hill can do that. I'm sorry. No, that's fair. But I mean, he's the point guard position, but he's not running the offense. Jokic is running the offense. Sure, but I mean, I'm literally saying like the role that he has, you put Buddy in that role and that team breaks down entirely. You think? Oh, for sure. Because I mean, because the lack of playmaking? The, I mean, yeah, the playmaking and Buddy, I mean, I'm sorry, but like Buddy Heald has gotten a lot better. He's gotten a lot better at handling the ball, but he is not like, he should not have the ball in his hands really at all. Yeah, yeah, I... I agree with that. I don't like him creating on his own. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just don't think the team gets crazy worse. So, but either way, like, I mean, we don't think Jamal Murray's five-year 170, right? And Buddy's not there. Yeah, I mean, I guess we've gotten away from the point. The point for me was that I figured I went into this thinking that, I mean, okay, so I put that tweet out there. The vast majority of people said that Jamal Murray's better today than Buddy Heald. And I tend to agree with that just ever so slightly. However, he's such an overpay. And then, I mean, what about Marcus Smart? I put in that tweet, right? I mean, what he, he makes four, four years, 50 million, like a third of what uh, Murray makes. I mean, do you think that Marcus Smart and Buddy Heald are significantly different values of players? Because I don't, frankly. No, I mean, I don't think and I, and, I and, do. and to continue that thought, I don't think that, that Marcus Smart and, and Jamal Murray are that, like different in terms of their actual value on the court. Right. Yeah. So, so what it comes down to is like paying this position is such a mystery. And these are guys that were all going to be RFAs, right? Smart was a restricted free agent and he didn't get an offer. Right. And then, so he got kind of lowballed a little bit here, or, or you could just refer to that the other way. You could say that he got the Celtics got a tremendous deal with him uh, because the offers weren't coming in because they knew the Celtics would match whatever right. it was. And then Jamal Murray, the opposite, like if he went to free agency, he almost certainly wouldn't have gotten a max offer. Or maybe, maybe he would have, maybe he wouldn't have, 
but they were like, nope, we're going to give you a five-year deal. So I am so lost as, as how to like place the market for shooting guards. And remember, Heald's a lot older than these guys. I looked it up, and, and Buddy's four years older than Jamal Murray. Um, Smart at the time was 23. So I don't know. I don't know. Let's. I guess all we can do is just start this conversation and just put our, our numbers out there because there's just there's no definitive way to do this. But I would – I don't. I would say a hundred million tops, four years, hundred million to Buddy. Hmm. As an extension offer. Yeah. Okay. I, I could go to one ten. Was was my high number. But I think I think the way that you look at it in regards because it, what changed in those was what the offseason looked like around them, um, and this year the the general free agents are not good. Um, it's the restricted market and buddy's part of it, obviously. And there's Jalen Brown, Brandon Ingram, Sabonis, um, Siakam, who almost for sure will be going back to Toronto. And aside from that, bogey's part of it. Bogey's extension, by the way, doesn't need to be done until the end of the year because uh, he wasn't a rookie scale contract. Um, Yeah. So the teams that have money, like to me, at the top, Atlanta has seventy-eight million dollars. They're gonna have to pay some of their young guys, but they could, you know, they have their bird rights. They could pay Buddy. Is Buddy not like they have Kevin Herter? Kevin Herter's promising, but he's never gonna be a Buddy Heald level scorer that fits so perfectly with their pace. Clearly, like would Atlanta give Buddy Heald offer him a four-year one thirty? I don't think they would. I feel like we talked about this with Chris Kirshner of the Athletic Atlanta. And he was not very interested. I, I think that the Hawks know their deal. Like, I think the Hawks have their guys. They draft their guys. And I also don't think that it's crazy to say that Herter could be could not, you know, it's not like it's a lock or anything, but Kevin Herter is a great young player. And he, he absolutely at some point in his career could hit the level that Buddy Heald is at now. I do, I do really think that. Yeah, he has more playmaking than Buddy. That, that's for sure there. The next, uh, next team – Actually, they used to be second, but then they gave Lowry that one-year extension, but still there. And this one makes a little bit of sense to me. I mean, they'd have $33 million, so, I mean, they would barely have enough. But with them seemingly kind of stuck in this, like, developing guys, but kind of win now in a way, if you have Kyle Lowry and Pascal Siakam, you really need another guy there. I mean, do you think Toronto would mess with throwing $30 million at Buddy Heald? I mean, I don't really think so either. I I don't know. Masai Ujiri, he's a pretty prudent guy, and I feel like if he's going to spend that cash, he's going to spend it on a bona fide superstar or at least a guy that's going to be an all-star every year. I don't know. I, I don't. I, I am not convinced. And it, I feel bad because this is all going to sound like I'm shading Buddy here, and I'm not. I, I'm not shading him at all. I love Buddy Hield. I think he's – a tremendous player, but I see him more as like a 20 to $25 million guy max. Do you think either Atlanta or Toronto offer him 25 million rather than the, what is it? 32 and a half. I think that the odds are good that some team will make a max or near ish max offer. However, the odds are not 100%. And that's the only reason that you would sign him to, a max deal now or anywhere kind of remotely near it because there's always those, there's whatever, whatever the chances are that Buddy Heald 
uh, has a bad season, whatever the chances are that he gets hurt, like there, there is built in inherent risk in making this deal now when you could just make this, when you could just sign the deal next off season. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, if 100 to 110 is the range, I'm fine with that. I, I think, I think that it behooves of any of the teams that are out there that could have Buddy Hield services next year. The Kings are the team that benefit from it, benefit from it the most. So, you no matter what you bring Buddy back, period. Whatever it ends up costing, right? But I just don't. To me, the incentive to do it now is. The only incentive is to do it for a bargain, to do it for a hometown discount. So chop $20 million guaranteed off the top of that. And yeah, done deal. Right. And and I don't, and I guess the other reason you would do it is to not make one of your stars quote unquote happy, uh, unhappy, but I don't think that buddy's a guy that's going to be, you know, upset throughout the year because he didn't get some extension or something. Either way, he's going to play it out. And, uh, are you cool if we go through? There's three more teams that have space just to talk through these situations because there's not many. Yeah, let's do them quick. Okay, so we have Memphis, and this one makes sense to me, I feel like. They have $53 million in space. They're going to have John Morant, Jaron Jackson, and they're probably going to have a top five pick this year. They could add Buddy Heald as their real wing player. Um, he's their two guard, you know, but they need the spacing. And then you have a young core, and all of a sudden they're contending for Western Conference playoffs. Or is he too old for them? That signing makes a ton more sense to me than than either Atlanta or Toronto for me, yeah. Okay. Uh, New York. This is a weird one. Uh, no. Yeah. Um, Cleveland, too old. I mean, we talked about this with Justin Rowan too, right, uh, of Fear the Sword. And he was like, I mean, he's like, you know, very non-enthusiastic about it. He's like, maybe, you know, maybe. Right. He was more interested in Levert and Bogey. And Levert's right. off the table and – yeah, we'll see what happens with Bogey. But, uh, yeah, I mean, so if he gets offered a max, though, if Buddy were to get offered a max, you match it. Oh, unquestionably. Right. Okay. Yeah, I'm on board here. I, I mean, he's going to be a king uh, next year, more than likely. That, that's my guess here. There, to me, there's no scenario in where he's not a king. I, I don't see – that's why I feel like this is nothing new, is like the king's – they, I feel like they fully plan on bringing him back and making him a part of this core for the next four years, what have you. Um, and like, I don't think that has changed in any way. I feel like Buddy Heald intends to stay in Sacramento for the next four years, and and I, you know, I don't think that's changed in any way. I wonder where the the offer is at right now because I bet it's a lot lower than than where I'm at. Honestly, I bet they probably offered him the the Zach Levine. Or the Harrison Barnes. Yeah, and uh, I understand Buddy wanting more money than Harrison Barnes. I don't. I, I, I mean, I mean, I understand him wanting it, but I don't really understand like the reasoning behind it. We are all like, we. I, I don't know why we're ignoring the fact that he is a very flawed player. Like, his defensive issues are very real. He is a he is a one dimensional guy. Like, yes, his dimension is that one dimension is super elite. And, like, that is completely a reason to 100% bring him back unquestionably, whatever the cost. But it's not a reason to go above the cost that you would have to. Like, if you can get him for, you know, $95 million, just do it. Like, that, like that, that's, the, that's the incentive. That's, you just do it that second. But 
to be like pushed into a corner where you're paying above the market value. I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily buy into it. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know why I'm crazy or I don't know why no one else gets this or, or, or I don't know what, I mean, let me rephrase that. I don't know why I don't get this when everyone else does, but I really see like big, serious, significant gaps in his game. And he, this is one year. He had one year of being a 20 points per game guy. Before that, he was a 13 points per game guy off the bench. Like, and he couldn't play much defense. Like he couldn't facilitate. Like I don't see that as like a max guy. Right. Yeah. I get what you're saying here. I was talking more so on why buddy himself would want it there and his agent being like, you know, you're going to get more money than this, blah, blah, blah. Um, I, I think that there is a certain value to being, the like just a such a high level score and even though it is sort of really just the shooting because we've talked he doesn't really put the ball on the floor very well uh doesn't finish at the rim amazingly or anything it's shooting in in transition running in transition getting those buckets those layups like finishing at the rat at the basket in transition right those are his two i shouldn't say one dimension he's a two he has two distinct dimensions and he's very good at both of them but i mean that's like it's just not a diverse skill set Right. But do you think that he is uh, a important duo piece to Fox in regards to what they want the identity of this team to be? Yeah, absolutely. Which is why you pay whatever it takes to keep him. Right. But there's no leverage in, in Heald's camp that they can't say we need 120 million or we're walking. You can't. Like, right. That's not how that works. I, I think it's going to come down to they're just going to match a restricted offer or whatever it is. Yep. I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Is there uh, anything else you feel like we want to touch on here, man? No, I think that I'm good here now. Uh, if you want to say anything about the Utah game tomorrow night, I don't know how to preview a preseason game. <laughs> I just don't know how to do it. Cause like we can see anything, right? Yeah. I, I have no clue. There's no gonna, there's not going to be a reason Giles. I'm hoping that there's a Joseph. Um, if it's there, I want to see how, Bagley fares against Gobert, which uh, I don't think I want to see that. No, I, I mean, not ex- <laughs> yeah, we'll see, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how to preview this either. I mean, I expect, I don't know if, if it being the last preseason game means that they really are trying to get into groove here and they play their guys, or it means that they rest them because they are closer to regular season now. So I, I really don't know what to expect. This is the first, this is the best team they played in the preseason. If that means anything, if they play their guys, um, it'll be the best defensive test for them. Yeah, I guess I'm looking mostly at the half-court game and just seeing how that looks against this defense, if this defense is even on the floor. If, like, their real team is on the floor and playing real defense, um, then that's that's something that could be useful. But, yeah, I'll just loop back around to Buddy because that's been what everyone's been talking about and just say, you know, that thing about how he's – he's willing to take less than the max as long as the offer is not insulting. I feel like I've insulted him today somehow <laughs> and that's not my intention, but that's that I feel like is that's kind of the situation where you're in with him, which is like, you know, I think what you say to him is you say, listen, we want you to go out there and we want you to earn a max contract. We want you to do that. We want you to go out there and prove two years in a row. You're a 20 points per game guy. You're an elite shooter that you can start in the NBA and be effective, that you can be an above average starting guard in the NBA because that's a max player. So go out there, prove it, go get your max. We'll sign it for you the day, you know, the day we're able to. But for now, 
you know, we're willing to offer you what we just offered Harrison Barnes, who's been on the championship team, right? Who plays like a tremendous, uh, you know, uh, tremendously diverse skill set on the wing, you know, with the three and the D and all that stuff, with the facilitation, with the leadership. We're willing to give you this guy who's a seven-year veteran. We're willing to give you that contract today. We don't feel like that's an insult. Uh, but otherwise, go get your max. We got it here for you when you're, when you're done. Yeah, uh, either way, he'll be on the team. And yeah, I wonder, like, if there was a four-year hundred right now that the Kings offered, would Buddy sign that? Um, I, think he, I think he would. I think that's, that's, to me, my personal guess, that's based on nothing, and I'm not reporting that. My personal guess is that that's, that's probably where the middle would be for me. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. I, I think that uh, it's right around there, but I also could see Buddy thinking that there could be more out there. And, I mean, he's not really a injury-prone guy in a way where it's like, oh, what if I have a down year? What if I get injured or something? I think he'd lean more towards – all right, yeah, I am going to prove it this year, like you kind of said. Um, so it'll come down to those uh, matching that offer. And I know you didn't think Atlanta, but to me, I think he fits just great there. Um, and, and Memphis were, were the two. Um, but it's going to come down to matching a restricted free agent offer more, more than likely. But we can wait until the 21st to see if, if anything comes before then. Yeah, final question. What's your – give me some odds on it actually getting signed before the season starts. I would give it like a 20% chance that it happens. I don't think it's going to. I agreed. All right. Well, that is going to do it for this episode of the Kings Pulse podcast. As the season's kicking off here, if uh, if you know of any Kings fans, be sure to let them know about us and uh, leave us a five-star review and a rating in the um, – in iTunes and whatever pod, podcast platform that you're listening on. Like we mentioned, we're the official podcast of the King's subreddit. You can ask us questions on there that I'll get into our next weekly Q&A, just like the one we did today. But thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. You'll hear from us again in the next couple of days.